Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have the final message in our series on the Gospel of John that we've been in for two and a half years. Uh, This one is called Follow, Um, how we consider our own journeys in comparison with other people and the trap that comparing ourselves can lead us into. Just a quick reminder, this coming Sunday, we're, we're going to one service for the summer, uh, our summer hours, and we will be kicking it off at 10 o'clock with uh, our bag hunger outreach. So we're going to meet at the church and then go collect the bags and then come back to the church for a big uh, jambalaya cook-off uh, lunch on the ground. So uh, be sure to make it out to that this Sunday, 10 a.m. Well, let's go, to, go ahead and head to the talk, North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Okay, I said a few weeks ago that we're done with the Gospel of John. I got one more message, I promise. If you still trust me. Uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to finish up the Gospel of John, I think, today. I'm, I'm Lord willing. <laughs> Uh, Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 21, verse 18 through 25. Now, just a little context for this scene. Jesus has just served his disciples fish and biscuits by the Sea of Galilee. He has restored Peter. Peter denied him three times. He's restored Peter by saying, do you love me? And And Peter said, yes, three times. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. So Jesus offers forgiveness to Peter, but he also calls him into a vocation. If you love me, shepherd my sheep. Take care of the people around you. And it's in this context now that we pick up the story. Jesus is looking at Peter, and he says this in verse 18. Very truly, I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would, by which Peter would glorify God. Uh, th- this is speaking of crucifixion, by the way. Um, then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, If I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor had spread among the believers of the disciple that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Then, this is the disciple then who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Now, up to this point, by the way, when it says the disciple that Jesus loved, uh, we know that that's speaking of, of John, which is kind of funny. Like, if I was writing a book, you know. The one that Jesus loved. He, he always refers to him that self that way. I don't Some people say John's not like being cocky. He's just like, wow, he loved me. Uh, he's not like saying that he loved him more than other people. But up to this point, we've seen John and Peter 
their trajectory has been pretty similar. They've both been there for the miracles of Jesus. They've been there for the Last Supper. They've been there uh, through all these various things. And now we see that their paths are going to, to diverge. Jesus tells Peter that your call is going to end up in crucifixion. Part of Christian obedience is knowing that we are called to follow Jesus wherever he leads us, not wherever he leads the person next to us. And this is something that if you can figure this out this morning, if you can get a hold of this in your faith, it will save you much grief. We are each called to follow Jesus in a different way. My story is not Al's story, and it's not Derek's story, and it's not Noah's story. I've got a different story. And if I try to to live Noah's story, it's going to give me into trouble. Because Jesus says, you follow me. We get into this trap, don't we, when we compare ourselves to other people. You ever find yourself in that trap before? It's just a trap. You know, science and, and philosophers and people who study the human mind, they see that, they're, that, that human beings are hardwired to take our cues from the people around us. You can see this in nature. Uh, in, in science, they, they, they refer to something called swarm theory. You ever heard of swarm theory? It's a theory out there. Look it up on National Geographic. You ever, uh, I, I know driving across the Atchafalaya Swamp, sometimes you see these, these flocks of hundreds of birds. And they're just like a, a big glob and it's moving everywhere. And you just kind of wonder, like, how do these birds do all this coordinated thing? It, it seems like they're doing all this cool stuff. Or, or if you've been scuba diving before and you see fish, like on Finding Nemo, where they, they make shapes and stuff. And I've never seen them quite do that. But, but you see how animals in nature, they, they react by taking their cues from the animals next to them. We see the same thing with human beings, but we, we, we refer to it not as swarm theory. We refer to it as keeping up with the Joneses, right? You know, as a, as a white, middle-class American, I am in the upper 10% income for planet Earth. You compare me to 90% of the people on planet Earth, I'm doing better than 90% of the people on planet Earth. But when I compare myself to my neighbors in Abita Springs, maybe my car isn't as nice as the guy next to me. Maybe my, my, my deck on my back porch isn't, isn't as nice. Those of you who've seen it, it's not as nice as anybody's. <laughs> I ran out of pain a couple of years ago. I just hadn't got, got around to that spot yet. <laughs> you know, we hear, we hear how affluent we are in America, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter to us because we only care about the people right next door to us or the people that, that, that we run with. We compare our lives to them. We can't help it, right? That's the default, right? We want to know how we're doing. We look at other people. What are other people driving? What kind of houses are other people living? What kind of clothes are they wearing? Uh, what kind of music are they listening to? What restaurants are they going to? We, we, we uh, reflect that. We go after those things. But, but one thing we can tell, if you don't keep that thing in check, it's going to wreck your spiritual life. It's going to wreck your life. The, the trap of comparing ourselves with other people. You know, as a pastor, I have uh, many... Uh, opportunities to compare myself with other pastors. One of the worst places to do this is when I go to a pastor's conference. Uh, 
most of y'all probably don't go to pastor's conferences. I'll let you into that world a little bit. You go to a pastor's conference, and a lot of times the, the person that they get up on stage that, 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 it, that is kind of the shining example of what everybody needs to be like is the pastor of a church of five or 10,000 people. And the tendency is you, you, you hear the words of this guy, you hear all the amazing things they're doing, you see the pictures of their amazing building and, and all the stuff that they got going on, and it's just like, wow, <laughs> I wish, <laughs> wish I had that. We got a cool back porch. <laughs> we even got a chalkboard out there now. And we've got good coffee. <laughs> and we don't have too many beer bottles in our parking lot, usually on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it's easy to get into a place where I want to compare myself with other people. But as soon as I do that, as soon as I start uh, comparing myself with, with, with others, I, I start missing what God has for me. You ever find that before? You, you, you're like, oh man, I wish my life was like this. I wish I had that kind of job. I wish I had a spouse like that. I wish I had this thing or that thing. Or for, for it's my, if my kids, I wish I had, you know, a, a PlayStation, whatever. What's the next one? Three, four, whatever. If I just had that, like this other kid, oh, I'd be happy, Daddy. I just need this. We compare ourselves, but we miss what's right in front of us when we do that. The trap of comparing ourselves with others is that it, it gets us in this place of insecurity, of jealousy, of shame. And we miss what is right in front of us. You know, there's many times, I, I've said this, that Dina and I have, have found ourselves where, man, things are tight financially. We don't know how we're going to make it sometimes. I mean, not recently, but there have been times. And... I got to tell you, sometimes we just got to sit down and we got to start talking about God's goodness in our life. We got to start remembering together all the times that God has come through for us. And it shakes us out of this comparing ourselves with other people. And we just like, okay, God's got us. He's going to take care of us. But whenever I'm comparing myself to other people and their stories and, and, and what they're doing, I, I miss what God has for me. Now, as a pastor, i got to tell you, you know, when we, we got the call to plant this church, we put our house on the market. That was five years ago. And it's still there if anybody wants a condo in Kenner. <laughs> Shameless plug. If, you, if, if you're growing tired of the North Shore, you'd rather live below sea level, um, we have a fine condo we could hook you up on. Five years, and we still, it's just a perpetual, like, I, I feel like Paul, I've pleaded with the Lord three times, please take this away from me, and he hasn't. I've got other friends who felt called into ministry, they put their house on the market, and within weeks, boom, it's sold, hallelujah, God came through. I've got friends of mine who... When they got married, their first couple of years were just marital bliss. Man, it was just like a nonstop honeymoon. Not my marriage. Our first couple of years were tough. I mean, it really took us like five years to like really start liking each other again. I mean, really. We, we did not get that package. I mean, I, I'm, you know, that's great for those of you who did. But we didn't get that. 
And there's a lot of things in my life that, that I look back and I'm like, God, you do this for other people, but how come it's working like this for me? And the temptation when, when things like this happen is to say, well, am I not in God's will? Is God, am I cursed? Am I not doing it? Am I not jumping through enough hoops or whatever? But what I've come to see is that, you know, my path isn't the path of this other pastor or this other person or my other friend. I got my own path. And what I've seen over the years is that God has a way of redeeming all the junk that I've been through. Now, and I want to say that this too, I've been through comparatively little junk in my life compared to some people, okay? I'm comparing myself. Um, <laughs> but there have been some things in my life, situations with, with, with pastors that were just horrible, left scars on me. There's been difficulties in marriage. There have been difficulties with finances. There have been relational things in our family that have just gone south and, and have been a source of perpetual frustration. There have been medical issues. There's been Hurricane Katrina. All these things that I've gone through. But I want to tell you, this day as a pastor, I thank God for every one of these situations. I thank God that this is my story. Because without this story, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And I don't say that like, yeah, look at me, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that God has transformed me in the midst of these things. And I find that, that every week when I talk to people, the stuff that I'm telling people isn't coming out of books. It's coming out of these experiences that were hard. It's coming from the times where I encountered God in very difficult times by just deciding to just, I'm going to keep following Jesus. But when we get to a place where we start comparing ourselves with other people, it's just a trap. It's a trap. Do you know that I just want to say this too, speaking, speaking of comparing ourselves and mothers, I've, I, I think mothers struggle with this as well. For the stay-at-home mom, I, I know stay-at-home moms who struggle with, I'm not, I'm not contributing anything to the, to the finances. Or maybe they feel jealous of like, man, I wish I could get out of the house, please. Like, oh, it'd be wonderful to go work every day and leave these kids behind and just come home and, and be with them in the evening like my husband and just get to love on them and, and, and have them excited when they see me. I would love that. <laughs> Instead of just, oh, it's mom. We're around her all the time. Dad! <laughs> But then I know mothers who work, who struggle with feeling jealous or, or guilty, like that they're, they're away from their families and, and, and want to be home. And that's a trap. See, the important thing is not whether you work outside the home or whether you're a stay-at-home mom. It, that's irrelevant. The, the, the important thing is, are you living what Jesus has called you to do? Not your friend. Not someone else. If Jesus has called you to be a stay-at-home mom, then you better sure as heck not get out there and work. Because you're working enough as it is. I you know, want to make sure to say that. <laughs> Understand me, ladies. That is it's a full-time job. But if you're called to work outside the home, if that's what God's put on your heart, and that's where he's leading you, then you better not stay at home. 
We each have to wrestle with where is God leading me? Where do I sense Jesus is calling me to go? And I will follow him into that. You know, most of the great stories uh, of, of, of characters in the Bible that, that we celebrate have long periods of difficulties or just mundaneness. I, I mean, I, I, I can hardly think of anybody in, that, that made it into the Bible that didn't have like long times of trouble in their life <laughs> or long times of just boredom and mundane things going on. And these are the stories that we celebrate, right? They give us life. They give us hope. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers, spends uh, many years being a servant in Potiphar's house, then gets accused uh, of rape by uh, Potiphar's wife who has certain unmet needs. And then gets thrown in prison for many more years. Before he ever does the thing that he's famous for. David. King David, uh, before he was King David, he was a shepherd for most of your life. You want to talk about a boring job? Out in the middle of nowhere. By, I mean, there's no wonder he became a good musician, you know? <laughs> What else are you going to do? You're out there by yourself with a bunch of sheep. Uh, it's, it's a great place to learn how to write songs. Uh, he wrote that song, The Lord is My Shepherd. I wonder where he got inspired to write that. Uh, but he spent years just being alone by himself with a bunch of sheep. And then he went from that to being anointed by the prophet uh, Samuel to be the, the he's going to be the next king. But you know the the time, it, it took like 10 years between the point he was anointed to be king and the point he actually became the king. And those 10 years in between, he was a fugitive. And he was surrounded by all the people who hated the government and who, who owed taxes and who were in debt. David's story wasn't a story of like, glory to glory to glory. No, it was like... This is rough. And we see this with, with all kinds of characters. Ruth, Mary, even the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, people think he just went into full-time ministry. He spent like 14 years before he went into ministry. And then when he goes into ministry, he spends so much of that time in prison. Not fun. But that was what God was doing in Paul's life. That was the story that he had for Paul. God was going to show his glory through Peter in a different way than he was going to show it through John. You know? God had a different way. The, I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says, you are an epistle read by all men. You're a story. An epistle is basically a, like a letter. You are, you are a book. You're a story that God is writing. God is writing a story upon your life to tell the world. And it's your story. It's the story of, of what he's doing in your life. And your story is different from other people's stories. And if you try to live other people's stories, you, you're going to miss the story that God has for you. 
and the Lord of the Rings. Turn in your books to page 870 uh, in the second book of Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <laughs> I love that there's a scene in the, in, the, in the second movie of The Lord of the Rings where we see Sam Gamgee. Frodo's best friend, you know, who's, who's been there through it all. And they're getting to a time where it's just discouraging, man. Like, is this, are we ever going to, just, it just feels like we're not going to make it. And I love his little monologue here. He says, and I won't read it in Hobbit voice. I'll spare you that. He says this, he says, I know it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger, they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now, folks in those stories had a lot of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something, that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Can I get an amen? That's good, huh? You know, when you think about it, the stories that, that we love, whether it's in movies or in the Bible, the stories that change us aren't the stories where like the guy's just going along and things are going great and then they get better and they get better and they get better and then finally he just dies and, you know, it was just a great life. Like nobody wants to see that story, right? <laughs> the stories that inspire us. The movies that impact us, the books that we want to read, they are stories about people that go through it. And somehow in the midst of going through it, they find transformation. They find something bigger than they are. And they come out the other side as different people with a, with a love that's more rich, with a hope that, that, that won't get washed away, with a peace that is bigger than understanding. God has a story for each one of us. We can't compare ourselves to other people. You may be going through stuff today and thinking, you know, did I, did I do something? Is, is God mad at me? Am I cursed? <laughs> is, is he, you know, why am I suffering through this right now? Don't worry about that stuff. You follow Jesus. If this is where you are, then this is where you are. Find Jesus in the midst of this, though, because he's there. He's there. He's not left you alone. I want to read Psalm 23. We sang it this morning. We're going to sing it again in a minute. I, actually, I'll invite the band up here. Um, I love this psalm. And I'm a little sad that it, it, it just becomes a psalm read at funerals most of the time because there's so much about, and this is a psalm about like right now, right now. 
Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your good and mercy, your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, there's a lot of stuff in this psalm about God leading us to green pastures and still waters, but there's also stuff in here about enemies and the valley of the shadow of death and darkness, and I think a lot of us would wish for a type of faith that if I just follow Jesus, there's going to be no darkness, no enemies, nothing like that, Uh, but there's not. There's not that guarantee, but there is the guarantee that he will shepherd us through that. He will lead us through it. Peter asked, Jesus, what about him? Jesus says, none of your business. You follow me. You follow me. So can we trust this shepherd with our lives? Can we trust him with our lives? Can we trust that he will lead us through the darkness? Can we trust him even when our lives don't look as good or as prosperous or as easy as maybe other people's do? Can we trust that he still got us? Can we trust God to lead other people, even if their journey may look very different from us? Can we trust that, yeah, this other person that may not be on the same journey as me, that God can handle him? Can we trust him? Can we leave other people's journeys to God too? Can we? I don't know, but sounds like a good idea. (laughs) Can we trust him to be the shepherd of others? Yes. You know, the truth is that Peter, I'm sure when Peter gets this word from Jesus that you're going to be crucified just like me, that's not a good word to get, right? I've grown up in charismatic kind of churches, and I've had all kind of people come up and say, you're going to have the next worldwide ministry. God's going to bless you with this and that, and hallelujah, that's yay, (laughs) What about when you get the word, like, you're going to be crucified. You're going to die a horrible, painful, brutal public death, naked, in front of everybody. Well, you know what? Church history records that Peter, he was crucified. He was crucified in his later years in Rome, and as history puts it, that when he was going to get crucified, he said, I'm not even worthy of being crucified in the same way as, as my Lord crucified me upside down. Well, what's interesting about Peter when you read it, there's no hesitancy. There is a joy in Peter, even in going to martyr, martyrdom for Christ. And so, so even Peter, as bad as that word must have seemed from him, from Jesus in the beginning, like, hey, Peter, guess what? You get to get crucified just like me. No, Lord. 
As bad as that word must have seemed, later on in his life, because he kept following Jesus, he got to the point where even the most awful thing that you could imagine as a human, he could embrace it with joy because he was following Jesus. And I will tell you that the same today. If you will set your heart on following Jesus, no matter what you go through, you can embrace it with joy. And that may seem like just utter nonsense, but it's true. If we waste our time on following Jesus, we, he'll bring joy in the midst of whatever we find. He will put a table in the presence of our enemies. He will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. It's in the midst of darkness, in the midst of trials, that we will find the presence and the provision and the power of the Lord. Why don't you stand up? Don't everybody shot me down now. close by we're going to close by singing this last song together the song we sang in, in worship earlier and when we get done with this I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up to the front and if you find yourself in that place today where man I just need some prayer because I've been struggling with that I've been struggling with wondering if, if, if I'm on the right path. I'm struggling. I'm comparing myself with other people, and, and I, I just, I don't know if God's mad at me or whatever. I just need somebody to pray for me this morning. We're going to invite you down to the front and, and just pray for you, pray with you.